A few years back, my friend Justin Warner from Food Network moved out to South Dakota. He opened a ramen joint, and he is always posting pictures of all the great food he's not only cooking, but eating all over South Dakota. He's always telling me to come visit. And you know, one of the best ways to experience a new place is to eat your way through it. But it's equally important to live your way through it, too. And when you summer in South Dakota, you can fill up on all the lake days, hikes, rides, and small-town strolls that'll leave you with a regained sense of wonder and a hunger to do it all over again. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at Travel South Dakota. This episode contains explicit language. I hate peanut butter so much. So really? Sometimes I tell people I'm allergic just so I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like that thing where people are like, well, I'm a hugger. And you're like, well, I just said I don't want to be touched. Um, like, I don't like peanut butter. I'm like, well, you haven't had my peanut butter. I'm like, that's not how it works. Um, no, I just, I don't like it. That's amazing. I'm fueled by peanut butter. I mean, that's the people who like peanut butter, re- as I've learned, really like peanut butter. It's like, is it a religion? Did it raise you? (laughs) (laughs) This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. And joining me this week to chat and later to help settle some of your food-related disputes are the hosts of the podcast, Vibe Check. We have poet and writer Saeed Jones. Hi. Journalist and Tony Award-winning producer Zach Stafford. Hello. And journalist and podcaster Sam Sanders. Hi. And what I love about the show is the range of topics. I mean, you, you guys talk about pop culture, music, but also news. I mean, you've addressed the Oscars and the new show Swarm, but also the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, the train derailment in Ohio. So... A lot of ground, but that's kind of what it's like when longtime friends hang out and chat. You're all longtime friends, and this show is like taking your group chat and putting it on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What I love is that on any given day in this group chat that becomes the show, I leave my phone for two hours. I come back to like 78 texts (laughs) from my two sisters, (laughs) but it's like full of ideas and links and thoughts. And it's like, oh, this is, this feels meaty. Yeah. And that's the joy of it. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, the big thing is we created this space in the middle of the pandemic to be a place where you could like kick the tires, say the things you may not want to tweet yet. So it becomes kind of this like, uh, I don't know, practice field for us to be like, oh, I'm thinking through yes. this or the beginnings of an idea when you really need to suss it out. We suss it out together. And and then maybe it ends up on Twitter. Site Jones would be the fastest to put it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm tweeting right now. I'm <laughs> tweeting this very recording. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're some funny bitches. <laughs> and that, yes. You know, I'm I know better than to be one of those people like, oh, I could do stand up. I'm like, no, we are not doing stand up. But I but we're we're pretty <laughs> we're funny. podcast funny. We're yeah. podcast funny. So thoughtfulness, sometimes disagreement, different ideas, uh, um, wading through different kinds of disputes and big and small concepts. These are the things you do on Vibe Check, and I think it makes you well-suited to come and hang out here on The Sporkful for a little bit. Let's the four of us chat about food a little bit, get your bearings on food, and then we're going to take some calls, hear from some listeners, and you can help to share some of your skills with them, and maybe we can help some folks out there who are having some disagreements of their own. Yeah. Zach, I understand you and your partner, Craig, have gotten into meal prepping recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course he would. I was going wow. to tell you something wow. about that. 
Uh, he's gonna be so happy that this is being talked about. <laughs> Zach is such an A plus student. True. This man does okay. CrossFit every morning, prepping the meals. To, oh, of it's course annoying. Zach I'm really annoying. Exposed her. Yeah. Like yeah. So to your question, I have begun meal prepping. What would you like to know, uh, Dan? <laughs> If you're such a type A and 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 A plus student, why has it taken you this long to start meal prep? Okay, that's a very good question. So I've historically meal prepped a lot, but when you're falling in love and you're dating, so we've been together for a few years now, but we were living between New York and LA and we're traveling all the time, that, you know, there's some romanticism in going out to eat and like going out and trying food and exploring things. But then you hit a point in your relationship where you're like, girl, I've gained five pounds. Girl, I want to sit at home. Girl, I don't want to go out another time because it's really expensive. And then you realize meal prepping can be a really great weekly activity that you do together to kind of like set the week, set your intentions, talk about food. Because I remember I I grew up loving food. I grew up working in restaurants. I worked (laughs) in the back of a kitchen and did prep cooking. I did some like whatever, a lot of things. And I realized at a young age that Grocery shopping can be some of the most intimate things you do with someone else. Like to walk through a store and see what they pull for their week to eat when they're happy, to eat when they're sad. Mm-hmm. To do. I believe that. You okay. can learn a lot about a person by... <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. Tell me something you learned about Craig that you didn't know about him by going grocery shopping with Canned chicken. That's what I learned about Craig. So, so, I did not can know. Canned yeah. chicken? <laughs> yes, canned chicken. It's very Midwest. And I'm sure he can hear me. And he's in the house right now. So I'm really anxious about this. But no, canned chicken was a big moment for us in our grocery shopping. I'm trying, like, I'm literally trying to, like, like canned tuna? Yeah. yeah. Saeed looks so confused. <laughs> it's, it is canned tuna. So it's just tuna is canned. And then there's chicken that's canned. It's wet. It can stay around forever and ever and ever. And, you know, a dark big, meat or white meat? Sorry, I'm very curious. It's, it's white meat. I, I don't know, actually. It probably is all meat okay. just left over. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I should look. But <laughs> I never grew up eating canned chicken, like, at all. Like, we, like, made chicken. If you wanted chicken, you froze it, sure, but you didn't mm-hmm. can it. He is, you know, Midwestern, also lived in Utah. He's ex-Mormon. His family still practices Mormonism. And they're big into food storage and keeping a lot of food. So this Mm. moment of tension when he pulled out canned chicken at the store and then brought it home and then tried to make dishes out of it. I was like, what the hell is Like a casserole or what? No, like actual like meal prepping. Like you have like chicken and rice and chicken and vegetables. So I was just like, what is going on? And, you know, food and shopping and then cooking, you learn a lot about where you come from and Mm -hmm. where you're going to with each other. So yeah, canned chicken was a big aha when we moved in together. Um, That kind of defined this meal prep for us. Wow. And how long long ago was that? Was that... Big moment in the grocery that store. That was last summer. The big, big aha. Uh-huh. So, so nine months ago, give yeah, or take. Yeah, good math. Yeah. And 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 where are you at with the canned chicken in your relationship today? <laughs> we don't really cook with canned chicken anymore. Okay. <laughs> Dan, you are good. Okay, I see you. Bitch. Yes. Uh huh. This yes. is an interviewer. Yeah. Yes. Canned chicken, Craig. Wow. Yeah. Canned chicken, Craig. <laughs> but, but 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 we do have it in the house in case you know the apocalypse yes. happens. Wow. I also love Zach. I, I love that you've identified a point in a relationship when you go from like, oh, we're in the restaurant right. mm-hmm. phase to we're in the meal prep yep. phase. Yes. And it is like a, it is a moment in which you move in together or you're just always together. And it, it is a good moment of, you know, flacking to each other. Like I'm here for the long haul. I want to like plan with you and think about my life with you and, and right. food and food shopping and food prepping is a way to do that. So I, I do advise people if you're in that place in your relationship, 
give it a try, like make some meals together and, and plan some meals together. Cause then you're talking about your whole week. So Zach, can chicken aside, tell me one uh, meal prep dish that you would put together that this, it, it's one of your very favorites. Oh my God. I just was eating it as we began. We have begun making these breakfast sandwiches that are just so great and they're frozen. So what we do, they're like English muffins, fresh turkey patties, turkey bacon, an egg frittata, and some cheese. Mm-hmm. He's on, you know, egg duty and I'm on meat duty. So we're like preparing them side by side because you're making, you know, 12 to 24. And it's just like an assembly line. And it really plays into my like type A-ness growing up in kitchens because we wow. just like run this, run it like a kitchen. The key to these frozen sandwiches, which I learned through him, is you're supposed to dampen napkins and wrap the sandwich in the napkin, then put aluminum foil around it. So then when you you freeze it, it freezes, the napkin freezes around it. So when you microwave it, it moistens it as it's heating up. Here's my question. Are y'all like, while you're doing this meal prep, are you listening to, like, are you like, you know, playing Anita Baker and and (laughs) chit-chatting? Or is it like, because I'm like, this sounds like an episode of The Bear. <laughs> Which I would love. I'm like, yeah, let's role play yes, kitchen. Yes, yes chef. chef. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that serious. It is, it's like, this is the, we do it Sunday. So there's music playing okay. or we'll be watching a show that we're interested in, but like not needing to sit down. So we'll like have it playing. Saeed, you moved to Columbus, Ohio a few years back. 2019, yep. And among other things, I understand this move uh, helped you to develop a love of tailgating. <laughs> it did, it did. So what was your relationship with tailgating before moving to Ohio? Yeah, it's almost it, it it's almost allowed me to maybe reclaim or reset my relationship with tailgating because I grew up in North Texas where football, who baby, is is just a really important part of culture. Like to not be a part of football is to not be a part of civil society <laughs> in Texas to a certain extent. Um, but the tailgating culture, all of that, you know, was associated with all of the with many of the toxic you know, issues that I was like, you know, just really struggling to survive. So there wasn't any joy there. You know, it was a very aggressive, bro, white, you know, just creepy space for me. I didn't feel safe. I didn't, and I certainly didn't feel like I was having fun. And then I moved to Columbus, Ohio, and, you know, shit ain't sweet. I'm not trying to romanticize college football or anything like that, but there was just like a levity. Maybe it was you know, that I did not grow up here. And so I was able to just kind of show up, you know, as an adult, I'm more confident in myself and in these spaces. Um, but I don't know. I just, it's, I just love it. I love just, you know, grabbing a beer or a vodka cranberry and pretending to care about football. And correct me, Sai, if I recall correctly, you sometimes leave before the game starts. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> my, my boyfriend uh, is from Australia, um, and he, you know, he came tailgating with me last fall, and he was really, he was like, okay, so we need to get tickets. What do we do? And I was like, oh, honey, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, we're, we're going to get some drinks, have a good time, meet up with some friends. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of your favorite tailgating drinks, mm-hmm. Saeed. Do you have a couple of its favorite tailgating foods? Uh, I love a hot dog. I get irritated with, like, the way American food culture always wants to, like, add a little special oomph to to justify American classics. It's too much. I just want it very simple, literally just ketchup and mustard, you know, good bread, whatever. Sam, I know that you're a big proponent of Jenny's ice cream, which comes from Columbus, right? Yes, and I think what I love the most, so my favorite flavor of theirs is the brown butter almond brittle. That's very good. Mm -hmm. And I like a lot of their flavors, But 
It is rare that you can find the thing that you can get in the grocery store that is mass produced that tastes that good and that fresh. It tastes like someone just made it with five ingredients next door to me, you know? And it's one of the few foods where every time I take the first bite of that pint, I make a noise still. I'll be like, oh. Mm, it takes yes, your breath away. It really does. The mouthfeel of Jenny's is so much more substantive than any other ice cream. And the flavors just hit, man. Oh, I love it. Jenny's has a, it was a limited edition just last summer. I don't know if it was the first time they did it, but it was the first time I encountered it, that I experienced this flavor. It was their wedding cake. Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't get to try that one. It feels one-to-one without it feeling like they just shoved a wedding cake into a pot. You know, I I don't know how to explain that, but it's, ooh. And Jenny's, every flavor that I like of theirs, I want to finish the whole pint. Mm -hmm. I want to finish the entire pint. Yes, it's very hard to stop. (laughs) I grew up in Texas in a Bluebell ice cream family. And that was like our religion. Mm -hmm. It was our religion. So to ever even mention another ice cream is a big deal for me, but I will take Jenny's over Bluebell. Fight me any day. And it feels like Jenny's in a very good way. It feels denser and more substantive than any other ice cream I've had. There's a fullness to it, the fullness of the mouthfeel. Dan, what is the reason for that? There's got to be a reason it, it, for that. It, it's called it's called uh, overrun, oh. and when you make ice cream, you incorporate a certain amount of air into it, and different brands put a different percentage of, of air into their ice cream. That's why, like, the cheaper, like, sort of supermarket ones that come they're in the fluffy. big tubs, t- yeah. they're fluffy, right? It's because they literally do have more air oh. inside the ice cream. So then there's, um, like, no and, air up in this motherfucker. It's going to be dead. Right, exactly, right. So, <laughs> so like, uh, uh, the more upscale brands tend to use less overrun, which is why they're so rich and creamy. Wow. The more you know. I, I've talked to Jenny, and the first time I met her, we had dinner. Wait, Saeed, you actually met the Jenny from Jenny's Ice Cream? Wow. Okay, all right, go on. Yeah, I think she's okay for me saying this. She she describes herself as a sensualist, um, which I thought mm. was real. You know, I didn't, I don't know what I expected, but I thought that was so interesting. Like, asking, like, well, what does that mean? And the, it's really my favorite thing she told me. She was like, really, I make the ice cream so that you can get it in the store. Like, go into a Jenny store and get on a cone. Because she was like, you will, she was like, go, go to a Jenny store on a date and get some ice cream on the cone. Because, like, when she makes it in her mind, she's like, that's how she wants it to be eaten. Because she was like, you'll learn a lot about yourself and about your date. If you two walk out of there <laughs> eating ice cream on a cone, she's like, just think about it. It's a very sensual, you know, she was like, you're going to have some oh, experience. my and, God. And where that experience takes you or doesn't. There are many ways to eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> wow, Jenny uh-huh. is a freak. I live. That- <laughs> oh, damn. I just thought it tasted good. But damn, girl, you know. <laughs> So, Say, did you do that? Have you done I've that? I've done that and it works. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> All right, so Zach, Saeed, and Sam, I think it's pretty clear that all three of you have strong opinions about food. You're thoughtful people who aren't afraid to tell folks what you really think, but I think also thoughtful people who are going to be able to give good advice. So we have some Sporkful listeners who reached out with food-related issues. You want to help them out? Let's do it. All right, we'll do that when we come back. Stick around. It's time to open up a can of advertisements. 
In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, a smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool, Almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the Choice Hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn Best Buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. they got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are so iconic that I just say Famous Amos and it's like I can taste it. Each cookie is filled with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. And the word satisfying is very key there because some cookies are crunchy and brittle and I don't like that. But Famous Amos has a deep, tooth sinkable, satisfying crunch that I know and love. And Famous Amos classic bite-sized chocolate chip cookies are bringing back the original recipe that everyone knows and loves. One perfect bite, everything classic in a cookie. Find Famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. On last week's show, I hung out with the founders of Ghetto Gastro, a Bronx-based culinary collective. These guys do all kinds of things. They host high-end events. They have a line of appliances. 
and they just put out a cookbook called Black Power Kitchen, co-written with Osai Endelin. Their mission is to show the world that Bronx culture is high culture. And when they decided to call themselves Ghetto Gastro, they chose that name very intentionally. We're not trying to make the word ghetto seem cool and palatable to white people. It's really about, you know, rejecting necessary respectability politics within our own community, having an internal conversation like, yeah, we're black. Our food is a global food. It's definitely a lot of ways to act black and be black. But we're going to bring you the unapologetic street side and still demand a premium because for so long our culture has been extracted and the value has been extracted. But now it's time for us to capture the value. After we spent some time chatting, the guys took me around the Bronx to some of the places that inspired recipes in their book. We had patties and coconut bread at Kingston Tropical Bakery, rotis at Feroza's, and green juice at Green Garden Juice Bar. It was all delicious. And I might have just found a new favorite hot sauce. Hear about it all in last week's episode, Up Now. All right, I'm back now with Zach Stafford, Sam Sanders, and Saeed Jones, host of the podcast Vibe Check. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hello. All right, I think we have some folks joining our Zoom right now who have a food-related issue that needs mediation. Hello, hello, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Chris from Omaha, Nebraska, and this is my husband, Justin. Hey. Hey, Justin and Chris, say hi to my friends, Saeed, Sam, and Zach. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hello. Hello, hello. What can we do for you today? Okay, so let me just start by saying that Chris is a great cook. She makes us wonderful things. She She's on online cooking lessons. She has magazines. She has tons of cookbooks. So the way I would sum this up, I guess, would say that she's reluctant to do repeats. The way I think of her process is I try a new recipe. It's awesome and great. And then she throws the recipe away. No, 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 no. No, I don't throw it away. I... I often misplace it. (laughs) (laughs) On purpose? No, no, not on purpose. No, I just got so much coming in at me and I want to try everything. Yeah. Give me an example of one of the recipes that you felt was discarded too soon. Well, okay. So a while ago, she made this butter chicken and it's just like a sort of a crock pot Mm. recipe. And it was Mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, she doesn't usually cook Indian type food. And so she was getting out of her comfort zone but it was awesome. It was del- delicious. It was great. And then a couple of months went by and she says, do you want to have butter chicken again? I said, yeah, that'd be great. So she makes it again, but she uses a different recipe. <laughs> so now it's still good, but it's a different dish. Okay. Can I ask another follow-up question? Sure. What's the ratio of cooking? Does she always cook? Do you cook some too? How does that work? I'd say it's probably 90-10 her. Uh, We both cook, but I got busy doing other things, so she sort of took on more of the responsibilities. But but it sounds like, Chris, you you, you enjoy cooking. Oh, yeah. It's like, what am I going to make next? And then I'm reading, uh, you know, we have a a subscription to a cooking online class, and then all the magazines that are coming in, or we go out to eat, and I want to try to figure out how we had that dish at home. The other problem that he thinks is a problem is I don't want to have I don't mind leftovers, okay. but I immediately pack up part of the food and take it to my dad because he lives attached to us and he's 84 oh. Oh, and yeah. he has really sad food at his house. So okay. um, I'm trying to help him. So I'm like, then I can get it out of our refrigerator and then we can make something new. Chris, just for clarification, so you can speak to this issue. Is he being honest when he says you never repeat recipes or is it just certain dishes that he's talking about? Uh I am not good about repeating. Okay. I'm not. So you self-identify as a okay. non-repeater. Okay. Yeah. Do you think you know why you don't want to repeat? So, so Chris, do you think you know why you don't want to repeat? What's because behind that choice? Just 
that I want to try this new thing that I've seen. Yeah. That I, I just there's so many cool things to make or a different way to make it, and I'm just inundated with too much media. I think. It's not like you're like, here's the butter chicken. You're like, that was good, wasn't it? And then you like set the recipe on fire while he's eating it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a lot's going on. And then a few months, and I get it, like a few months later, for me, it would almost be, you know, I'm a writer, right? And so books and poems, and it would almost, tell me if this feels um, accurate. It's almost like you read a really great paragraph or a really great section of a poem. And then months later, you're like, where was that? And now you're walking all over the apartment and you can't find the right book. It's more that? Yes, yes. This is not my verdict, but a question. (laughs) Have you, the husband, ever said, well, I like that recipe we had a month ago. I know she's not going to make it again, but I will. Have you ever done that? Uh, I have not because, first of all, she's usually in control of the kitchen uh, and she made it the first time, so she'll be able to make it good the next time. Oh, you know, right. sometimes I'm just looking for the comfort of an old you friend, You were mouthing right? something, Chris. What were I you said, mouthing? Say it out loud. I said that was a little bit of a cop-out. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. I, I want to like, hear Chris. He could, I, I like where you're going. He could easily say, I'm going right. to make this now. Yeah. He could do that. Yeah, I yeah. like that right. idea. Are we at the verdict part yet? Because I think I... <laughs> is it a, this is where you learn the three of us have three very different persons. I'm like, is this a verdict kind of question? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I got a verdict, baby. I got a verdict. Like, do you right. pull out a gavel? Um, I guess I want to... Oh, look, Chris has a gavel. I'm scared of you, Chris. Chris from Omaha. Um, I guess I want to say, Justin, what are you... What are you usually doing when when Chris is cooking? Like, are you in the kitchen with her, kind of being a part, you know, or? Yeah, often I'm the sous chef. Okay. That happens a lot. Or I'm making downstairs, making cocktails. Oh, okay. Uh, She sends me off to do that a lot. Okay. But so, but, and and Chris, tell me if this is accurate. So it's not like uh, Justin's just like off hanging out or whatever. Like, it seems like he's a part of the cooking experience in one way or another. A lot of, uh, yeah. Most most of the time, yeah. All right. I got some thoughts. Go clearly. Go okay, on. Girl. I want to. Yeah. Um, go on, Sam. I'm watching the body language here. Y'all clearly love each other very much. No. But more than you know, husband, you're kind of working your wife's nerves with this. <laughs> I think you need to be a little more uh, of an equal partner in the kitchen. And I think there's two things that I would suggest for you that will s- help solve your problem and give you some more agency to do some things yourself. You can be the keeper of the recipes. That's what I was thinking. If too. she's the lead chef, yeah. you can say every recipe that I like, I'm gonna make it a point at the end of that meal, save the recipe. Oh, I like that. You can do that, right? And then you have them if you wanna revisit. And the second thing you can do, because you know your way around the kitchen, if you really want a recipe again, you don't have to ask her to do it all the time. You could do it. Okay. Right? Uh, well, and how about we jointly do menu? That might work. Too. That would, uh-huh. if she wants to do that too. Mm-hmm. But what I see here, is that um, your wife is working harder than you think to feed not just the two of y'all, but also her dad. And I know, Chris, it seems like you enjoy this work, but it's work. (laughs) And so if having to handle recipes in this way that you like more, husband, is more work for her, help do the more work. You can keep the recipes. You can perhaps take the initiative for a repeat one that you want, but you can lead more. I heard you at one point say that she has all the power in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. No. It's y'all's kitchen. You're in it too, right? Well, that's um, fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, very simply, I would say 
save the recipes that you like, and then don't be afraid to start a meal yourself. Yeah, I I agree. What I'm hearing is that Chris's joy, her relationship to cooking, is about the pursuit of the possible. It's a movement into the future. Mm. I just love the way your eyes lit up when you're like, "There's just so many. There's just so many things out there to cook and to try, and that's that's so exciting." And I think how beautiful. I mean, one of you know a great relationship. I hope does have a sense of propulsion, does have a sense of moving toward the possible. But also I think what's really beautiful about relationship is finding a way, like you're saying, like saving the recipes so that we can look at the past, so that we can appreciate what we've built together. And so I think one, practically, it would just be nice. And and Chris, you know, would be like, oh, here's the actual recipe for the butter chicken from three months ago. Thank you. But also I think with time, as you kind of compile this, I mean, it's, it's like a love document. You know what I mean? That you can kind of look back on together and that just that seems like a beautiful gift but also a practical one that you can build together yeah i, I love like that. that zach thoughts i i mean they've said everything i agree so much i think you both want to love each other and that's what's so beautiful mm-hmm. here is that you're really trying to figure out the best ways to love on each other and how do you mm-hmm. also have your love show up in that love and that's what i'm hearing from you justin where you're saying um you know well she does this you're you're trying to be respectful you're like i have my role and she has her role but i think there's a space to come together and for you to also partake in the type of uh love that she's performing for you too and you kind yeah. of do that for each other because I, I mean i'm the same way chris like i want to do it all i want to provide and provide but when i learned to give my partner you know the whisk and the ladle and all these things to cook for me we had a really magical relationship in the kitchen when it was you know two-sided not just one-sided me being head chef yeah i like this documentation aspect of- yes. What, 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 yes and and the other thing i like about the documentation i say this is someone who's just gotten to the end of writing my first cookbook yeah Thank you. And and the first it's really sort of the first time that I've been put in a position where I had to cook the same thing over and over again. And it does allow you to refine mm-hmm. the recipe mm-hmm. and make it your own. And that in its in itself is a rewarding <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. So to you cook it once and it's good, you cook it a second time you make a tweak and a third and fourth time and you make a tweak and then pretty soon it's Chris's special butter chicken. <laughs> exactly. The, you know, there we go. And 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 that's also rewarding as opposed to just doing something new each time. So write it my, down. I, I, yeah. I think all these suggestions are great. The one thing I would add is I think that once a month, Justin should get to pick a greatest hit. Oh, I, I like, like that. that. Yes, absolutely. Problem. And I would say at least once a month. Let Justin cook it too. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be as great though. But so still, oh, you are That's he's really good. He's really See? good. Yeah. Right. We're gonna right. empower you, Justin. I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris and Justin in Omaha, thanks so much for reaching out. Uh, We hope you enjoy all of your uh, next dinners this week, whether they're new or repeats of some of the greatest hits. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks for talking. Thanks, guys, for helping us out. This is great. Thank Thank you. Bye. Bye. I think we have time to hear from one more person. This is a voicemail we received. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. We got this message from Judson in Washington, D.C. Oh, my God. Do you know Judson? <laughs> I'm at his wedding this weekend. Yeah, this is like, so oh funny. God. Oh my God. Is this Go our friend Judson? It. Oh okay. my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what okay. Okay. Now here's your friend Judson. Hello, lovely ladies. This dispute stems from savage, beastly, downright <laughs> shameful, and disgusting behavior related to eating a Chipotle bowl. Is it correct to eat a Chipotle bowl left to right? Or should you, like a child sociopath slash my partner, 
mix up the bowl, destroying all of its flavors to create something like a brothless chipotle soup. Thank you for ultimately agreeing with me. Uh, your friend, Judson, and yes, you may use my real name because I know that I am right. Bye. Judson. I'm crying. And congratulations to Judson wow. for getting married to this person. Too. He is literally getting married to this Yeah. Person. Are they serving Chipotle at the wedding? No, but something very similar. I know. My sister served Chipotle at her wedding, by the way. But this wedding, they are not. But they okay. should because it's a wow. good idea. <laughs> so so just just to make clear what, what, what the question is. So when you get a Chipotle bowl, they have the bowl. They put down a bed of rice. And then as you order your chicken, beans, salsa, whatever it may be, they kind of put those in clumps all arrayed next to each other. Mm-hmm. All those different things that you've chosen from mm-hmm. the bar are not mixed together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're in small piles next yes. to each other. Oh, I, I know a Chipotle bowl very right. well. Yeah. And, and, and what Judson is saying that he thinks these it should be eaten left to right, or you could say around in a circle, but in any case, keeping the components separate to some degree, mm-hmm. or should the whole thing be mixed together to get consistent ratios in every bite before you eat. Are they sharing the bowl or is it a bowl no, for him that and a bowl is for the vital. partner? Yeah, if I was sharing. I think so it's if just it's a bowl for him bowl. and the bowl for the partner, let him be. <laughs> I mean, that's wrong. number one. Let him be. <laughs> let him be. My philosophy about food and how other people eat, never ever tell other adults how to eat, even if they're your partner. Speaking for myself, to answer Judson's question... I wouldn't mix it all up just because I think that would look ugly. Can I tell you my secret? I'm a mixer. You're a mixer. That's what I can tell. We know you're a mixer, girl. <laughs> we could have told that, you that's that. Why, that's yes. why this struck such a nerve yeah. with Sam. I, I guess I'm saying I would personally, I wouldn't tell someone else how to eat their I agree. But I, yeah. I would personally, I don't like how it looks all mixed up. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a farm animal. I, I'm not just looking for feed. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, food is an experience. Well, listen, I'm I to made have. the pig. I mean, to the trough. I'm point, okay point. With babe in the city. Sam <laughs> oh <my laughs> Sanders. I mean, I agree. Yes, Zach, let's you hear. know, let people eat how they want to eat Chipotle bowls or how you want to eat them. Whatever, whatever. The god tier way to eat a Chipotle bowl, which I learned from TikTok, is you flip it over. And you eat it upside down oh. from the aluminum. So you have all that stuff on the, that's so on that top and the bottom, are... and then you eat it that way. That sounds good. This, it, really, what the fundamental question here is one that we have debated on the Sporkful going back more than a decade. It's the debate between bite consistency and bite variety. In some foods, you want all your ratios in every bite. You want bite consistency in yes. some dishes. In other dishes, you want bite variety. You want that one piece of Jenny's ice cream that has the giant chunk of almond brittle because it stands mm-hmm. out from the others. You don't want the same amount of crunch right. in every bite. Because it depends. It's kind of like um, if I have dim sum, the, the pleasure of dim sum is kind of going, okay, what do I want next? What flavor, what yeah. texture do I want next? So I guess it's what you are looking for. For me, the distinction is savory versus sweet. If I'm having savory food like a Chipotle bowl or pizza, I actually want bite consistency. I I love when pizza toppings are arranged in a pretty uniform fashion. For a dessert or a sweet thing, I like the difference. Like the crust piece is like crispier than the middle piece and I enjoy that. But for the savory main course of the meal, I actually want a uniformity. I know this is kind of weird and detailed, but that's my process. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I, I, look, I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong. I agree. Like, generally, you know, I like to quote the Latin maximum, degustibus non est disputandum. In matters of taste, there can be no <laughs> oh, dispute. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. And okay. so, you know, All like, right. I, I generally agree with you. People sh- can have bright variety or bright consistency, whatever they want. I just think a lot of people aren't really thinking sure. about it. And what I want to encourage people to do is at least stop and think about 
about what it is that you want so that you make sure that you're getting it. Um, That being said, I think that this debate gets to a larger philosophical question because like when you're eating a food with bite variety, some bites are going to be better than others. Yes. All right. To whatever your taste is. When you have that bite, that's the most incredible bite that has all the ratios just so. It's like, let's say it's your third or fourth bite into the thing and you, it's that bite stands out. It's very easy to spend the rest of that dish chasing that same bite. Or I'll just stop right there. I'll be like, I can't beat that bite. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> but but it's, it's sort of like if everything could be perfect, would you want it to be? Yeah. No. Like if every bite could be the best bite, would you want it to be? But but then every bite wouldn't be yeah, special. Yeah. If every bite is perfect, eventually every bite is then mediocre because they're all yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Y'all but, say that, but then I think about Jenny's brown butter almond brittle ice cream. And it feels <laughs> like everybody's perfect and I still think it's perfect. Uh, well, actually, yeah. I have two other things. One, one. Judson, and I will text Judson about this when we get on this conversation. (laughs) Bitch, if you want to be happy, you need to realize there's some things that are not worth you paying attention to. And I would argue your your fiancé husband is. The week of his wedding, he has done this. Oh, my God. Like, what is wrong with you? Two, I feel like personally, whenever I have Chipotle, it's usually like I've just finished working out. And like I'm almost like nearly lightheaded. Like I, I'm eating to survive is what I'm trying to say. There you go. So I'm like I, I, I'm I'm not thinking that much. like to me it's this um, is not a Michelin star meal. Got just it. Eat it. Chipotle is just something eat I eat. It's not necessarily like a meal. If that makes there sense. There you go. There you go. I will say my last my last note on this to Sam. If you mix it, because I'm not a big mixer, but if I did mix it, then that's when you order the chips and you use the chips to dip oh. into your Chipotle bowl. Oh, okay. You make that a becomes point. a Chipotle dip. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. I think there is a third way, which is that you know you could you can ha- you could take a spoon and go around the bowl, get a little dab of guac, get a little piece of chicken, run it through the salsa, scoop it through the rice. That's one bite. What is this? It, what is this? That's too much work. Then baby. you then you can. It's not work. It's a game, yeah. Sam. This is it, it's the pursuit of excellence. <laughs> Zach, you're you're gonna understand yes. this, Zach. You're you're my yeah. fellow type A uh, overachiever, yeah. right? Like it's fun to take this bowl and be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how many different bites I can create, yeah. and I'm gonna figure out what what my favorite wow. one is. And by the time I'm about halfway through, I will have tried all the different best combinations. And then I'll have zeroed in on the best ratio and the best order in which to scoop. The <laughs> Y'all see the world differently than me. <laughs> I wait. I agree. I agree so much with Dan. And this also brings me to tie it back to ice cream, the, something that we didn't talk about, which is what I do. And I don't know if others do, but when you start eating a pint of ice cream, it's really cold. And as you start eating it, it starts to melt. When it begins to melt, yes. then you start mixing it and make it more of like a frosty yes. texture. And it yes. becomes a different type no. of <laughs> When my ice cream starts to get cold, I put it back in the freezer for 20 minutes to get it cold again. Oh, when it starts God, to Sam. I want oh. it. Oh. I want it. Rock Sam wants I think y'all both are doing too much. When it starts to melt, yeah. I say, eat faster, bitch. <laughs> scoop, scoop. <laughs> Keep it moving. All right. Well, poet and writer Saeed Jones, journalist and Tony Award-winning producer Zach Stafford, and journalist and podcaster Sam Sanders together. They are the hosts of the podcast Vibe Check. Thank you all so much for joining me and for helping to wade through some of these thorny issues. Dan, I learned so Thank much you. about us today. Yeah, Thank amazing. you. <laughs> Literally. Group well, therapy. I am shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you're new to our show, please take a minute right now and connect with us in your podcasting app. You can hit subscribe or heart or favorite or like or plus, whatever the thing on our page in your podcasting app is to connect 
to hang out with us more often, please press it right now while we're talking. That's awesome. Next week on the show, I talk with the one and only Bill Nye, the science guy. If you're making pasta and you salt the water, does the salt make the water boil faster? Bill will tell us that and much more. That's next week. While you wait for that one, check out my conversation with the co-founders of the Bronx-based culinary collective Ghetto Gastro, up now where you got this one. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producer... Andres O'Hara. Editing by... Nora Ritchie. Our engineer is... Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Shannon in Tomball, Texas, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Better.